She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast with me, your host, Jill Ritchie. I hope you're all really good and ready for the weekend. Um, This episode is coming live to you all on a Friday. So if you're listening to this on Friday, I hope you've got something really amazing planned for the weekend. And if you're not listening to this on Friday and you're listening to this any other day, then I hope you've got something really nice planned for today. Um... I hope everyone's had a good week. I have had a really good week. It's been busy. Um, I don't like using that term busy, but I can't think of another word for it because it has been busy. Um, And it has been mostly busy with the work that we are doing with an Intuitive Psychology Association. So our students have only got a few more weeks of their six month diploma training in Intuitive Psychology, and then they will become the world's first and only intuitive psychology coaches in the world, which is just phenomenal. And so Sarah and I have been getting our final module already. It's the business accelerator module. And we're making sure that the guys are really set up to take not only everything that they've learned over the last six months and their training and their diploma, but to set them up for success so that they can have a business at the end of this. I know when I did my coach training, I didn't get anything like this. And when I wanted to understand about business and work with a business coach, I had to pay like thousands and thousands of pounds on top of what I was doing in my coach training to work with a business coach. And then I had to spend thousands and thousands and thousands and more pounds um, really diving deep into the spirituality work and the healing work and the energy work and the deeper work like inner child work and somatics and all of these things and working with various different healers and um, coaches and mentors over over the, the six and a half years that I've been doing this. And what we have done is we've basically taken everything that we have learned, Sarah and I, and obviously with Sarah's psychology degree as well, and put it all into this training um, and this diploma. And oh my goodness, I'm just so, so proud of it. It's one of those weeks where it's been a lot, but oh my goodness, it's 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 amazing. And we're seeing the, the, the testimonials and things coming through from the students with their training. And God, it's got me so emotional this week because... I think, you know, we got to do that. Like Sarah and I created this from a download that I had and and things that were channeling through to her as well at the same time. And you just have to trust it. Like letting go to let come, letting go of what we think we need to do and maybe identities that we've attached ourselves to and just allowing ourselves to fully surrender and trust. And I'm so proud of what we've created and um yeah we've also been getting ready this week for the four-day boot camp so this is the confident coach it's a free four-day boot camp and there is still time to join so if you're listening to this and you are either a new coach an existing coach with a thriving business um, or you're thinking about maybe becoming a coach you're curious about maybe changing your career and becoming a coach then this is the boot camp for you Sarah and I have poured our heart and soul into this training this week we have recorded four days worth of content worth of 
amazing advice, support um, and immersive experience. So it's not just us talking at you. You're going to really get a flavour of what goes on in intuitive psychology. Um, yeah, and how you can become the most confident and abundant coach in your business. And so we're giving it, we're bringing it all and it's free. So I'm going to drop the link in the show notes. So if you would like to join that and you're thinking, do you know what? I'm, I've never maybe even thought about becoming a coach before, but I actually really love the sound of that. Then come along, join us. Um, the link is there and um, you just need to click on the link in the show notes or reach out to me on Instagram at Just Jill Coaching or at we.r.ipa um, and then you can get the link. You can read a bit more about the four days and sign up. It's free. Come along. Join us. Join in the magic. Um, but this weekend, I am definitely taking it easy, um, she says. Um, I'm taking it easy, a little bit easier on Saturday. Um and then on Sunday, we have our, our IPA training coach lab, coaching lab, which is amazing. And then in the afternoon, I'm going out with um, friends for dinner. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, guys, I cannot wait to introduce you to who I have on the podcast this week. So um, as you know, we are doing a little blend of um, over Zoom podcast recordings and in person. So when I can do it in person, I'm doing it in person. And my guest this week is an incredible, incredible human being called Graham Sutherland. So for those of you who don't know who Graham Sutherland is, oh my goodness, you need to follow Graham. Maybe you've heard about Graham on TikTok or on Instagram. He has a huge following on TikTok and on Instagram actually. And it's really all about Graham and his work with Alzheimer's. So he is, um, oh my goodness, such a doting and amazing son to his his beautiful mum, Linda, who has Alzheimer's. She is 69 years old and he has really documented and shared his journey and her journey and the journey with his twin sister um, and their journey with their mum. And this really resonated a lot with me. Um, having a mum who, you know, she passed away, my mum passed away at 69 and ended up with um, with Alzheimer's towards the end of her life. Um, hers was because of her cancer treatment, but nevertheless, there were so many things when I was watching Graham's story over the past year, I really felt deeply connected to him and his sister and the work that they do and what they are going through as the children of a parent who has Alzheimer's and is in a care home. Um, it's, it's emotional. It's a beautiful episode. He is the most amazing human being, beautiful inside and out. And I cannot wait for you to hear this episode, guys. Oh, it is absolutely stunning. He is stunning. And yeah, enjoy everyone and let us know what you think about this episode. Have an absolutely gorgeous weekend. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. Really wonderful guest joining me in the studio, Graham Sutherland. Graham, welcome to the podcast. Hello, thanks for having me. Graham, I invited you on this podcast and I've followed you for a while and your journey and I feel very inspired by what you do. I also resonate a lot with what you share. It's a subject that's really close to my own heart, having experienced similar things. And so getting you on is just an absolute privilege. So thank you so much for well, being for here. Me. 
Thank you. Graham, for those of the listeners that are that are listening that don't know who Graham Sutherland is, can you introduce yourself to everyone, please? Yep. So I basically film my mum's journey with Alzheimer's. She was diagnosed at 59 late onset, not long after my dad passed away from a brain tumour. So her illness was disguised with depression. So it was a journey me and my, sister, my twin sister dealt with. And over the past three, four years, I've documented that on TikTok mainly to begin with. And now it's moved over to other platforms. And I've just documented her journey with Alzheimer's and what life's like with Alzheimer's, especially mm-hmm. someone of my mum's age. Because 59 was young, it seems normal now that I've been doing it from a lot of people speaking to me. Yeah. But 59 young and she looks younger as well. Mm-hmm. And it's just to kind of raise awareness of that and stop yeah. the the stigma of because people are they, they don't want to talk about it and there's a stereotypical view of it being just an old person in a care home that doesn't remember day to day um so that's what i do i document that raise awareness and yeah. try and raise funds for it as well and educate people i suppose at the same time yeah well you're amazing like absolutely amazing and i love what you document and i wanted to ask you um when your mum was diagnosed at 59, which is young, mm-hmm. I remember I remember being like in my 20s or even like teens and thinking that was ancient, right? Yeah. As someone who's 44 this <laughs> month, <laughs> I used to think when my mum was in her 40s, she was old when I was really young. And now I see that as just so young. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm talking about myself here, I'm so young. <laughs> but I see that and I think 59 my goodness, is, it is young, like yeah. really young. And first of all, like to go through like your dad passing away of a brain tumour, what age was he? I can't remember now. I think he was 61. Okay. So he was 61. He's still relatively quite young. Absolutely. It really, really is. And so how old were you and your sister at the time? We were 21 when my dad passed away. 21. Yep. Okay. And... Again, that's young. That's a lot mm-hmm. to go through, right? Yep. It's siblings because you're twins, aren't mm-hmm. you, as well? And to go through that huge, I guess, experience for a whole as a whole family was it a, about your dad? Was it quite a sudden thing that happened? Was it quite quick? Yeah. So we started we started having like fainting and stuff like that in August. Then was diagnosed around October time. And then passed away in April, so it was relatively wow. quite really quite quick. quick. Yeah, yeah, really quick. And because I know that you've shared pictures on, like, I'm not so much on TikTok. I found you through Instagram, but like, I, I went down the kind of um, I sound like a stalker, but but I think when you really relate to someone's story, you just go on that kind of down that rabbit hole yeah. of looking through. And I'm like, wanted to see pictures of. Like you guys as a family, and I know that you've shared that, like holidays and mm-hmm. pictures with your dad and stuff, and your mum and dad looked really, really happy yeah. as a couple, you know. And I think that can feel quite rare, actually. Even like as f- for someone like myself, growing up, it was always just my mum. My mum was a single parent family. My dad wasn't around, but like to see a, a lovely, like what you would, I guess, deem as this really nice, normal enriched family like you and your sister and your mum and dad are really happy and then this bombshell of him mm-hmm. being diagnosed obviously really hit your mum yep 
do you feel like with your experience that that was a trigger for your mum potentially of like having that condition that she has now do you think any level of stress played a part on that for her so me and my sister have talked about this we we think she might have had it at the time well if she was diagnosed late stage she must have had it round about my dad's either his death or while he was still ill yeah we'd never be able to spot those signs it's because she'd have been in her mid-50s at that point Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think it may have brought, brought it on. Because she, she had suffered from depression for a long time. Did she? But then when you lose your husband, it's obviously a different... It's more intense. Um, and yeah. I think, I don't know if that brought it on. Accelerated. Yeah. Like, accelerated. Yep. Stress. Stress is a massive thing for oh, people. Yeah. And it co- it causes so much I in the body. Uh, yeah, it was quite, they, were, they were both going to retire as well that summer. Right. That's what I think think it harder they were both planning to retire get a wee caravan and just travel about and they both basically ended their retirement and that's what happened he was retiring that summer that he before he passed away yeah mum was retiring the following summer mm. and then she got alzheimer's so it's they've basically worked holidays and didn't get enjoy the best part of their life i suppose once you finish all that yeah for sure and i guess for you and your sister as well to have that to deal with of your dad and then then suddenly stuff's coming up for your mum and I wanted to ask you and I know this is quite tough and I feel like I'm asking these questions um, of you Graham but was what was the kind of first signs with your mum like because I know with me and my sister um, my mum her started with cancer so she had cancer and then it spread to different parts of the body. But she had it for 19 years. She did amazing. But she was diagnosed at 50. And then when her cancer eventually spread to her brain, she ended up uh, having radiotherapy. And it was actually the radiotherapy that caused was it? the dementia with my mum. So she actually beat cancer in her brain. But as a, as a side effect to the radiotherapy, she ended up having like multiple issues and then strokes. But it, before she had her like the big kind of crescendo of the massive thing that that ended up when she ended up in a nursing home and so on. But it was little things like she would forget certain words or not know how to use her kind of bank card and stuff like that. She's like, and she would talk to us and go, ah, "There's something, do you know?" She doesn't connect. For yeah. Her. And it must be so scary. Like, was your mum's, did, was it things like that? Did she know, like, something doesn't feel quite right? Did she know it was happening? Yeah, I mean, because she was depressed, I had spoke, because she was getting counselling, I had spoke to them thinking, asking, is this normal? Because and they were just like, memory loss or confusion can be signs of depression. So we just went on with that for a while, but she couldn't do basic tasks like put her seatbelt on she was getting really confused how to do that and I was getting really frustrated with her because I was thinking why don't you know how to do that it's a simple Mm -hmm. task but I didn't know she had it at the time which also obviously feel bad for now knowing that she didn't know but I couldn't understand that at the time Um, just loads of wee things like what you were saying with the bank card she couldn't 
pick up certain things. If you asked her to pick something up, she would get confused how to do it. When I was in London asking her to take a photo um, off me, she couldn't understand how to press a button. And she was crying over it. And I didn't understand why you're getting so upset over such a simple task. Mm. But she obviously was probably scared at the time. Didn't know what was yeah. going on herself. Yeah. They were the first couple of signs I thought, something's not right here. Yeah, definitely. And as a... You know, there's, there's so many different parts to this, right? Because obviously there's what your mum's navigating. But then as a person, like on the other side of it, as like a son and obviously your sister's like her daughter, mm-hmm. to navigate that, I mean, I know like my mum's was was a, a byproduct almost of cancer, which was hard enough. And then we had that. But oh, just I really understand from a being their child to try and actually navigate that it's it's a lot mm-hmm. how do you like because I know you're, you're honestly when I watch you with her you're just amazing like it's so wonderful but I also know how hard it can be for you like when you go in because I remember when I my sister and I and I think I said this to you when I was messaging you we would see my mum every day and it was always important that somebody was always yeah. here and it's like, right, who's going up at this time? Who's going up at that time? And exactly. It's like, uh, and then we would phone each other, right, how is she today on the way back? Right, okay, when are you going up? Right, okay, so she's good. All right, and it would just make your day when they were, they were good. They were good, yeah. Oh, the good God, days make yeah. it all worth it, I think. Yeah. And the tough days are tough though, right? Oh yeah, 100%. She's, my mum's been quite bad the past couple of months, so mm-hmm. that's been quite tough. But sh- I was up last night and she was a wee bit upset to begin with. But I put on some music made her dance with me and she was brand new after that. Yeah. Back to smiling and being happy. Yeah. And that just boosts your mood completely. Completely. Um, do you feel, um, in terms of like almost a grieving process, right, Um how do you navigate that? Do you feel like you haven't or you're still like, in, like it's almost like the person that they were, who they are now. It's like, I don't know about, like I guess asking you that because I remember with my sister and I, we would feel like we were losing parts of my mum, but you couldn't fully grieve because they were still here. Yeah. So it was this really confusing peace and I always remember saying to my sister we're going to get PTSD from this <laughs> like in a laugh but it, but it actually yeah. like is almost like it's 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 a massive thing right to navigate yeah. it's like mental torture because you don't really know what to do sometimes I feel like I'm then sometimes I feel like I'm not but I then if I like sit back and watch my videos that I do there's like our voice is gone now yeah. near enough so like things like that I don't realise how far she's progressed until I watch back videos because yeah. I'm seeing her a lot I don't really see the big changes yeah, until yeah, I look yeah. back um, but yeah it's difficult because you don't really know what to do and you kind of just keep I don't know where you find it from but you just keep going you, well you, you get this inner strength from somewhere mm-hmm. right um, you know my mum when she passed away she, she her voice wasn't gone so much but it was very faint and like it almost ended up a bit of a whisper and it was very strained and at the end and I remember when she passed away I remember just a few days before it like crying to my sister we 
got a phone call to, to we were away and then we had to come back from Turkey and that was a whole uh, journey we were only there for two days and then we were back and I knew that I knew in my gut there was something do you know when you just you're so connected to them like you just something yeah. didn't feel quite right and when we came back and I remember just before she passed away crying to my sister saying I don't know if I can keep doing this and it felt like that was really selfish of me saying that and I didn't mean it in a in a bad way I wanted her here but I wanted her here like how she was and all that kind of stuff but you know there was so much more when my mum her cancer came back and there was a lot going on like so the cancer was back and then there was everything else with the brain and she just she couldn't swallow she couldn't eat anything Mm -hmm. so there was much more sort of going on there but I remember uh, thinking I don't want I I want to remember her how she was as well and I I do like when I think about her I don't think about her at the end so much like I do have moments of that but most of the memories that come flooding through are when she was well and when who she was and I think that's so important to hold on to um and she would always smile for the camera and this is like your mum like she's amazing like she will like she's a comic a wee bit like when you wind her up I laugh because she does you can and it's like when you see those wee glimmers come through like I know like you'll know much more because it's your mum but when you get those wee glimmers that come through it it really bursts your heart open eh yeah that's why I try and wind her up when I can because I've always done that so I don't know if it's like muscle memory or whatever it is but Uh she you can just see the look she gives me sometimes it's like Like a a mum look Aye. And that's what that's why I do it to her. And I'm not upset or anything, but she's you no. can just tell she's she laughs about it and that's what I try and I try and keep things as normal as I, I can. Because she is still my mum at the end of the of day. Of course. So, but yeah. Of course, of course. And when you decided to sort of film and do the content mm-hmm. and stuff like that, was that a kind of decision with you and your sister? How was she with it? Because I know it's much more you that kind of does the filming yep. and stuff like that. How did that go down? Well, it, it wasn't planned. Mm-hmm. I was doing TikTok like everyone else during lockdown, like the stupid videos of uh, transitions and all that. And then I had just moved into my flat and my mum came up to my flat. Cause she could walk, I live on the third floor, so she could actually walk up those stairs at that point. Um, and I just happened to film her. I was planning to send it to my sister, but not to put it online, um, asking if she remembers my dad. And that's the video that kind of took off because she, yeah. she didn't remember him until I mentioned his name. And then she started smiling and she remembered them. Yeah. And then when I uploaded that, that kind of went viral. Yeah. And that's when I started having the discussion with my family. Like, because you obviously get negative comments. Sometimes people are saying you shouldn't be filming that, putting it on. Um, but I was filming loads of things prior to putting it online. And my mum was happy with it. Yeah. Um, and we had a discussion with my sister, family, friends, social work, the carers at the time that were coming in. So everyone was happy with it because I wasn't, doing it for to exploit her it was purely no. to show happy moments with the family at the time uh-huh and it shows something that actually people bloody go through yeah well that's what i noticed that i had nothing to look at back then and the no. amount of people that came forward thanking me because they felt less isolated because it is very lonely and uh-huh. you feel like you're the only person in the world at the time going through this um so when i started getting comments like that i thought Maybe there's something here that I can help with. Yeah. Um, and I just liked recording good memories to keep with mom because I don't have that of my dad. I don't have any videos of him. Mm, 
Well, I think it's amazing because, and also you mentioned something earlier where you're like, you can see the, like, almost where she was to where she is. I remember, and I never uploaded it because my mum would have, she was not like, she would have killed me, right? <laughs> she would always be like, make sure like she looked all good for the camera and all that when she before she got sick. So, um, but I remember when my mum was really in, not in a good place, she'd had a kind of big, massive stroke again that was caused by the, the radiotherapy. And she was really in a, in a bad way in hospital for three months in a rehabilitation. And I used to film her every day because not for any other reason than I need to, well, there was two things. Number one, look at the almost progress. And then number two was, I remember thinking if she's not here and I ever feel a sense of, a, you know, guilt or whatever that is I'll be able to look back not that I really have and think you know she she, and not feel bad almost of like this was not a good quality of life for her and I know that sounds mad and people might listen to that and think no yeah I get that me and my sister have had that discussion as well there's a certain time that a quality of life won't be good like uh-huh. what you said about swallowing that's what we are worried about because I know that will come eventually it's, I don't want her to be chip fed yeah to love that yeah life. Um, but yeah it's I know what you mean uh, it's, and people are like that might think that's weird but I had to almost have something so that if I had that panic moment of because it's overwhelming sometimes like you, you can be all good and then all of a sudden it's like whoosh oh it gets you right in the stomach. And I thought, if I have these videos, I'll be able to remind myself that, you know, she's in peace now and yep. she's not suffering like this anymore. And do you know, I know that always makes it easier, but that was the kind of reasons that I would film yeah, these things a, as well. I think it's the guilt that kind of, you can't get rid of. Oh. No matter what you do, it's, you've got this guilt feeling. Even like if I'm not, if I decide not to go a day, me and my sister, she she's a nurse, so she's sometimes exhausted after doing like three night shifts back to back. And I'll say to her, don't go today, she won't know. But we need mm-hmm. to like justify to each other why we're not oh going, God, just to make just... ourselves feel better. But I know one day won't make a difference because she has no idea. Yeah. Oh. I could turn up in a week and she'll think she's not, it was yesterday I was up. Yeah. It's the guilt, it's the guilt, oh. the huge part of it that affects us still. I don't think it will ever go away, to be honest. Because you always feel like you could do a bit more. It's like that question you say to yourself, oh, could I could have done more? And then you get upset because mm-hmm. it's like you're knackered or you're, you're mentally and emotionally mm-hmm. exhausted. And then that's when that almost feeling of grief comes in, where it's like you're grieving. Um, and then there's this guilt. And like you mentioned that there, and I got a look at what you and your sister do and you can just see that love it's so beautiful and so special like your mum is so lucky to have you I remember when um, when my mum was in her she was the youngest and people thought at first when she went in people thought she was a visitor oh, she just did. looked so good um, and it was Oh, it was so sad, but sometimes you would get a laugh. At like, and, like you shouldn't laugh, but like sometimes you do laugh at certain things that happen. And then, oh, yeah. in the care and the nursing home, in my mum's care home, they see because she's the only one with colour on her hair. Everyone's got white hair, and they're all like 70, 80. They all think she's a child, so they all take care of her. Oh, wow! And they all think she's uh, my girlfriend when I go in. 
Oh my All goodness. the time. Or that um, I'm the dad. I don't know if it's she looks young or I look old. I'm not, I don't know her to be offended. Yeah. <laughs> we just have a laugh with them. Like, there was a, a resident the other day who was convinced me and my mum were sleeping together. Oh my We're trying God. to convince her that is my mum. She says we look two weeks apart. Wow. They just have a, it's a secret. It's real to them. Yeah, I know. It's so real to them. And I think sometimes, although it's awful, you do need to try and find humour in yeah, it Yeah, we just sometimes. laugh at it. She's... I mean, mum's 69 next month, so she is getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that care home that she's in, she does look like the youngest, especially because my sister wants her always to look good, so she always gets her hair dyed and her ah, hair cut. It's like my mum um, the nails done and mm, that. My sister's always on top of that. So oh. even in there, when you see a big, there was a big photo of them at Christmas, she's the only one with brown hair. Everyone's got white hair. Yeah. And she just does look like the youngest. But my mum was the same. They look after her, though, because they think she's a wee girl. Wow, my mum was the same. She was like blonde, and everybody else was older. But just my mum was so like so so kind, like such a kind person, and always had time for people. And like all the nurses just loved her, like just yeah. And I think I remember like just funny stories being in there. But I remember when there was a few patients that would vet that were very mobile, and my mum wasn't really mobile. Mm-hmm. So aesthetically, she looked good, but she she um, her legs kind of went. Um, so she was in a wheelchair and stuff. So she wasn't really mobile, but some of them were really advanced with their dementia, and they were trying. They were really mobile, and they would go wandering through and try and get in her room at night and stuff. Oh. And I used to get actually quite scared. I remember putting a chair up against God. the door, and <laughs> they would see the handle coming down. It was like something like a bloody scary movie. And my mum was always just like, "It's all right." So, and I'm like, "That? Oh my God, Mum! I don't like this." And do you know? And I laugh now, but at the time, I'm filming it, going to my sister, "Oh my fucking God, this is a fucking nightmare." And we got her moved into another room because I think they were just moving people's rooms, and but she got put in with more much more advanced dementia and, but we moved her out thankfully because I remember crying one day going to the nurses she can't keep her in here she needs to go to another room like this is just too much but it was so up and down one minute I'd be laughing skipping about coming in and out depending on how it was and then the next I'd be like crying leaving the room and crying to the nurses and I felt like a wee girl I felt like a wee girl like I wanted my mum again like mm-hmm. I'm like who's do you know I needed that person like she was my absolute like rock, that unconditional love, the person that loves you so the most in the world, no matter what yeah. you do. And I remember feeling like, oh, I want my mum back. Like, although she was there, like there was wee glimmers of it. But yeah, I mean, I I, I honestly see the journey that you and your sister go through. And I think like, I know that you were, you raised money as well, right, for mm. Alzheimer's. Because I know that you had that. Remember, you, I saw you with the wheelchair and the, the umbrella and all that, and it was pure pouring oh, rain. That I'm was like, the memory walk we did. Yeah, what was that for then? That was for Alzheimer's Scotland, um, mm-hmm. just to raise money. You you don't need to walk with somebody with Alzheimer's. You can just walk in memory of them. Um, a lot of people do it. They used to do it like a big group of people, almost yeah. kind of like walk. But because of COVID, it's been you do your own walk um, and just raise money. Mm-hmm. So I had to raise money, so I just wanted to film something to show people we actually done this, but it was we were soaked. Yeah. It was the worst day. To do it. I mean it was <laughs> chucking it down. I'm like, fair play. Was your mum no raging? She was, yeah. 
would have been absolutely she raging. Hates any cool. type of wind, rain. That was the same as mine. And I, she, she'll cry if the wind blows, and I'm like, I can't control the weather. <laughs> any inconvenience, know. she'll have a moan now. Oh, oh, honestly, you're making me laugh because I should do laugh, but I remember my mum was the same. She's like, oh, it's freezing, take me back in, take me back <laughs> in. And I'm like, come on, it's all right. Or right, get me back in. And I remember when she first was in the wheelchair, it was like flipping, honestly, I needed L plates. Me and my sister used to bang her in, <laughs> crashing her in everywhere. And she'd be like giving us big dirty looks and stuff. Honestly, we were like, I'm sorry, mum. And... It's the ground as well. If it's not completely smooth, it's oh, like a... You're tipping it to the side, trying to... Oh. She hates when you try and put her up in curbs. I think she gets vertigo a wee bit. Uh-huh. And she'll she, like, scream as if you're like dropping her off a cliff. But you just need to be like, calm down. I know. And you've... I know, you've got to try and see the funny side. Well, she likes when her hood's up. We've put a hood up sometimes to keep her warm, but sometimes her hood comes over her face. Uh, and she likes just sitting right over her face. I think she just... Thanks. I can shut everybody shut out. Shut everybody <laughs> out. Shut everybody out. So, with the regards to like, do you get to like, do you feel like you can take your mum away places and stuff like that, or is it does it become too much? Um, I've not took her out really since October. I've took her out for Christmas Day um, and once there in January, but she's not been great, <sighs> so I've not had a chance to. But I try and take her out every because I work Monday Friday. It's, I can't do that because it's night time mm-hmm. um, summer I can I usually sit outside the, the garden with her but on the weekend or Sunday usually I'll take her out for the day because I want to take her out I want to get her uh, out and about even just a drive she likes her donuts and her sweets so I'll uh, take her for ice cream donuts creams. yeah I, I don't know I'll take her out just because we sing in the car she loves the music I've got a playlist for her and then I'll, <sighs> if it's dry I'll take her out a walk in a wheelchair just to get yeah, her out and about even yeah. if she doesn't want to I'll stick her headphones on and she'll be happy just listening to music and getting pushed about amazing how does that impact you though right so you're doing a lot you're working full time mm-hmm. you've obviously got your tiktok account and everything and you're going up and spending a lot of time with your mum because if you were anything like me it wasn't just a half hour visit no like it was hours yeah um how do you make sure you're taking care of yourself well i haven't been that's the problem i think yeah. this year i've tried to kind of fix that a little bit by going to the gym I've got a PT now as well so well, an online one so I've got somebody to hold me accountable for going to the gym because that's what I would always do just be like oh, I'll go next week and eating properly mm. I haven't been eating I used to eat like share bag of crisps for dinner cereal was my go-to for everything something I can just bring in the microwave whereas now I'm having three meals so I feel I'm getting healthier but I do I don't feel as if I've got enough time in the day at the moment because I'm trying to do everything at once and I'm exhausted at night. Yeah. It's my full-time job. It's just taking up that so much of my time. And it's so, so stressful at the moment. It's just, I don't know, I'm trying to think what to do to be happy, I suppose. That's the goal. I know, because you need to bring in a bit of joy. Mm-hmm. But it's actually, when it's all very consuming, it's like you need to fill up your cup, your own cup, like in terms of, like you said, health and fitness, mm-hmm. but it is, it's trying to find the pockets of time to fit it in, but you're still young, right? Like, how old are you? I'm 32, but I'll be 33 in June, so... So you're, you're 32, old. right? You've been doing this a long time, right? Yeah. Most of our 20s, well, since we're 21, we've not really had a, a break, to be honest. Oh, wow. So do you have, 
not it's a quite personal question, anyone else in your life that you not like no. not relationship wise and no. stuff. Single. Do you feel that that is because of your circumstances time wise that you're yeah, I, I, maybe I've made excuses in the past for it, but I do, like, especially just now, I don't have time to invest in someone. I know that sounds really selfish, but I, I have no time to myself half the time, never mind somebody else. So I feel like I've kind of put that on hold. Mm. And I think I will continue to until I have that time because I don't have time to go out and do much. I know I get time at night, but when I say people have not got time, I don't have enough of me to give at the end of the night so like if at nine o'clock I could go out but sometimes I'm just like I just want to lie back because I don't have any anything left to give if that makes sense it makes total sense it, it really does you do you do a lot and I get it um, but I also know that time waits for no one mm-hmm. and it's so important and I think like you know I don't know your mum but you do and what would she, what do you oh, think yeah. she would she say? She did say at the very beginning, I don't want you and your sister to put anything on hold for me, go out and do what you need to do, but we've we've chose to do that. So I suppose we've kind of sacrificed that ourselves. Yeah. Um, we've gave up a huge chunk. I mean, my sister's got a boyfriend, she's had a long-term boyfriend, um, but she kind of went part-time for a while to mm-hmm. care for my mum more. Uh, and that probably affected her career-wise. She's starting to get back into it now, going full time and try to climb that ladder again. But things like that, between like relationships, work, career, it all kind of has an impact. But I know she didn't wouldn't want us to do that, but we, we've chose to do that. So it's I, I don't ever blame her for it. It's something I've chose. So it's Not I'm, I'm all, quite happy yeah. with that I've chose to do that. Yeah, I think she... later in life I'll still be happy that I've done it because I won't live with regret or that guilt for... again. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. It's that feeling, you know, uh, I've obviously been with my partner and the father of my children for 15 years, so he was there when my mum was healthy and everything, but it is, I guess, trying to not feel guilty for having a life as well and actually doing things, because actually when you're well and when you're happy, you mentioned, like, I don't have anything to give people, but also allowing yourself to receive from other people. Do you know, sometimes it, when we get into that space, we give a lot, or there's a tendency to give a lot, but actually, how about opening yourself up and allowing yourself to receive? Are you a good receiver? Do you let people help you? Do you let people N- not really. do things for you? No. Nah. I like to just kind of fester. Do you? Yeah. I'll yeah. have days where I won't speak to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I like to just kind of be myself for a couple of days and I'll be fine after that. Mm. everyone's busy in life as well just now like all my friends at the age we're all getting married having babies they've got their own families and that now so they don't have the time we used to have when we were younger to go out now and then so it's trying to find that balance I'm trying to do things I enjoy as well just now I was going to say that yeah I I do feel like I've got more of a life that she's now in a care home because she's been there two years now yeah that helps in that sense yeah because you're not permanently watched because we used to have a camera in the house because she'd walk about or cry or if we were jumping out to the shops just to check on her. But then that's kind of a problem too because you're constantly checking the camera. Um, but we don't have that now because I know she's safe, I know she's well looked after and if anything happens they'll phone us. Mm-hmm. So with that respect, we've got a chunk of our lives back. We can go to work and not worry. Yeah, but, it's living with it. Yep. 
And it's almost this and that. So living with this and making sure that, and maybe you're starting that this year, like with the PT, with the gym mm-hmm. and opening up those pockets of time where you can start to live like and experience this vastness of life, like all of these experiences that you can still have and your mum. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It's like sometimes we're like, it's this or that. But actually, how do we bring in the balance of this and that and actually allowing yourself to receive, like to, to, to do it? I noticed you went away on a wee holiday. Yes. How was that? That was good. That was my first holiday myself. How was it? I was a bit nervous going yeah. myself, but I think it was all in my head when I got there. It was absolutely fine because I've been to Tenerife before, so I knew how, how it get about, what was there, what to do. So... Uh, when I got there, it was absolutely fine. I enjoyed it. It was good to just relax. And my sister was telling me not to worry. And she would give me updates all the time. So Totally. That's the thing, right? You're literally a flight away. Uh, exactly, yeah. And she was away to Rome it. too there in January. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did the same. I you just need extra, that. So. I think sometimes we can become a bit, not that we're mad ours, but we can become a bit like, oh, I need to do that. It's like this big responsibility. Yeah. But you do a lot anyway. You're still an amazing son or you're still an amazing daughter. If you still go on holiday, it doesn't mean that you're not. If you still go yeah. away for a weekend and do fun things or if you still go and meet someone and, and have time on your own, actually the energy that you bring to that time with her is sometimes different and again it's knowing that you don't have to choose one or the other it can be both and how do you then give yourself permission me and my sister both have this chat to each other but we don't take her own advice so she's like when she went on holiday she would be worried that she's not seeing her like she won't know then I think what she's thinking when I go on holiday (laughs) that's a twin thing as well (laughs) (laughs) oh I get it I get it and I you know, my sister and I, my sister used to say, she used to get like this thing in her head, like she had to phone at night because she would think, oh, I noticed something funny on her, her fingernails looked a bit funny. I need to phone and just say, can you check her fingers? Oh, so my like- sister, that's my sister. She's phoning <laughs> all the time. She's like the bad cop, I'm the good cop when it comes to all that. Yeah. Because she's a nurse as well, she's on top of everything. Checking everything. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I had to phone and complain a few times with stuff with medication not getting given. And gosh, she couldn't swallow. They were just leaving it. And I'm like, she's not even taking that. Like, and I would, oh, but I would be the one that would phone. But my sister would say to me, like, we would have conversations and she would say, like, I'm, this is in my head. It's anxiety. Like, I, I need to stop phoning because I'll think of something else. It was just anxiety, like, can you check her breathing? Can you check her this? Can you check her that? Like, if you go on and put Strictly on, she loves Strictly, like, <coughs> and, and she might not know how to put work the TV, so can you go up to her room just... And then she would phone me and say, like, do you think they've put on Strictly for her? Can you phone and check? Or go and oh, just right. phone and check, do you know, just be things yeah. like that. But what we were good at was... Because we spent a lot of time on holidays together with my mum, like we were really, really close. Um, was still having those breaks, like still trying to have weekends away with friends, holidays with the family and stuff, because I knew that she wouldn't want us not to. And we still felt like we were giving her all. And my mum, even when we were away, if we were away together, because my sister and I are really close. So we, like, because she's got her daughter and I've got my sons and stuff. So we're, we're a very close family. But 
we would always make sure then friends would go in and visit my mum. So she was oh, never yeah. like, so, right, Lee's going to go in at this time, Janine's going in at this time. Do you know, so always had someone going in. Um, but I get it because it's that guilt, you know, am I, being, am I doing enough? Am I good enough? I don't think you just ever switch down? off, ever, no matter what. Because everyone will tell me not to be guilty, but you, you can't just switch that off. I know. And I think, though, you're, you just there's this fear potentially, Graham, that when she's not here, that you never want to have regret. Yeah, you never want to be able That's to it, look yeah. back and go, "I never gave it my all." To me, you're giving more than your all, and actually, just knowing that you don't have to not have a life as well, and allow yourself the joy mm. and the fun, and maybe just starting this year to bring in little, just. Because you need to feel safe, right? Because if you're away, saying, well, I'll just go and do this thing, but in your body's having this reaction of panic or, or guilt or shame or whatever, it's maybe just doing it a little bit at a time, like yeah. allowing yourself to go away for weekends and have yeah. fun and know that she is safe. She yeah. is. I know, she, I know so she's safe. safe. They're so good in our care home. They're amazing, mother. Yeah. So I know she's always safe. Um, you just need to double check sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, my sister's going to be listening to this episode. She's going to be like, I totally get it. Like, it is. But you are literally a phone call away. Yeah, you can I be know. there. When, She's just 10 minutes up the road for me as well, well. So it's not far away. It's not far. And I think sometimes we get in the habit of the story that we tell ourselves and the lies we tell ourselves too. Like, I need to be here all the time. Well, you don't really. And it's like, oh well who am I without this because you've done it for so long it's a bit of your identity right yeah well yeah that's what I was saying to people a couple of weeks ago like, I don't know what I do in my life and this is over with because this is what that I mean. is my priority in life at the moment and I don't know what my I don't know I don't know what I do with that time mm-hmm. and that thought and that's it it is a even though it's it, it can feel uncomfortable and painful and really challenging, it is almost like um, part of your identity. Yeah. And so who are you without that? Yeah. You know, and that can feel scary. So even though it's like, in one way, it's looking at like, I'd love to be able to do these things and to have a relationship or to, to be in love or to, to do all these things that normal people get to do. But actually, it's not familiar. No. Because the familiar is doing what you've done, even though it can feel challenging, um, it's familiar. And so it feels safe. Yeah. I think because my whole adult life, near enough, I've always been caring for someone or looking after someone and had that responsibility. I've never had a period since I was 21 when I don't have any responsibility for anyone. Mm. That's what I don't know. Having like my f- complete freedom not had yeah. that before well I had it when I was younger but then I was kind of babied up until I was 21 which Were has you? probably made it a lot worse yeah my mum used to make me breakfast in bed and coffee in bed my mm. dinner what do you want for dinner she'll make it for me everything if I needed something done my dad would phone up the person for me so I've grew up quite a lot as well it's made me grow up that's the only positive thing to come from it I think well mm-hmm. apart from the whole Alzheimer's mm-hmm. thing like me as a person it's made me grow up very quickly. Yeah. So it was very, very quiet prior to my mum getting Alzheimer's. Were you? Yeah, I used to get called a mute. Really? <laughs> my sister's always been very outgoing. She's always spoke for me when I was younger as well. Oh, wow. 
um, it's kind of switched. She's still very, like, she's very loud. If you ever met my sister, she's very loud. But are you close? Though? We weren't in the house because it was just so stressful. Uh-huh. We were just on top of each other all the time, especially during COVID, because I was home all the time. And when she would come back from her job being a nurse, we were just there all the time. It was when I moved out, we came back together again, which is good. I mean, we still have our old wee fights, but we're twins, so we're always going to fight. We know how to wind each other up. Yeah, you're both like models. I do model part-time. Do you? Yeah. Ah, right, okay, that makes sense. Because uh, you're both absolutely, like, you're both very beautiful. Thank you very much. <laughs> These are. I mean, I've seen your sister as well. I'm like, my goodness, you're like a couple of models, the two of you. Um, but yeah, I, and I feel... Like everything that you're doing is amazing and this awareness that you're raising and you're you're almost creating this space for for people to feel seen, heard and understood and normalising, almost normalising the challenges of, you know, Alzheimer's and dementia and people with brain injuries as well. And, and so for that, like there are so many people benefiting from it. Oh, yeah. Um, I want to just quickly touch on the haters. Mm, <laughs> yeah. How do you cope with that? To be honest, I don't really get a lot of them. No. Recently, I got a few. Mm-hmm. Um, even somebody made a video about me saying how disgusting it was. You're joking. But I posted a comment on my story so that my followers could see that because uh-huh. they understand a lot of them so they can just go and help me out there. Uh-huh. But I, it doesn't really... That, bo- that was the only one that's bothered me most of the time is people who don't aren't educated on it or haven't experienced it or had anyone they know go through it so I don't really take offence because maybe one day they'll need the help that this raises or they'll go through that and maybe benefit in the future but I try not to to feed into it to be honest sometimes I'll have a wee rant and that'll kind of last for a couple of months to get anyone that wants to say anything they can go and watch that video yeah yeah it's challenging keyboard warriors eh and Trolling is deadly. And I feel like there's always someone that's ready to have a pop behind a computer. I've had a few myself, so I get it. But, you know, haters going to hate and all that. I think it's almost... They're going to get it online. Yeah. But I think the main criticism I have is my mum wouldn't want to be filmed with that. She's not gave you permission to film it. Um, I wouldn't want my child to film me but my mum gave me permission prior to mm-hmm. us doing all this yeah. and I know my mum better than you do any of them and she was a teacher too so she's always she's she used to do a lot for charity because my gran had uh, bowel cancer right, and so okay. she used to do a lot for cancer research and back then there wasn't phones obviously but she used to raise a lot of money and awareness and I feel like we're now doing that for her yeah, and, I, and she's educating people just now too. And that she was a teacher, so I'm, I know she'll be happy that she's you helping one know. person. You yeah. do know. And I don't feel in a horrible way. I try to make it respectful, and most of my videos are happy times because mm-hmm. I would never ever film or show anyone the bad times. I think they're. I don't know. I just want mum to be seen like that. Mm-hmm. So I always speak to the camera and explain and what's explain happened. You do. You're so that's why that. I don't. That's. The criticism I get, but I kind of have answers for that. Mm-hmm. And I know some people do film their parents or loved ones like in a state, and I wouldn't, I don't agree with that because mm-hmm. there's a there's a line. There's a I line. Draw. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I don't. I want mum to be. I know some people will say that. Why would you want your mum to be filmed like that so people remember her like that? Mm-hmm. But they, people didn't know my mum prior no. to that. So, and I do post old. I've got videos somewhere of her prior to it. So yeah. I do plan to find them. But that's why I post pictures as well to, to show people what she was like. Yeah. Because a lot of people, a lot of students have came forward that she used to be the teacher. Or, oh, wow. And they remember her. And mm-hmm. they'll just tell me wee stories about her, which is nice. Yeah. Even like uh, older teachers. There was mm-hmm. one that contacted me the other day who was standing in for my mum while she was off looking after my dad before she got Alzheimer's. And because mum never came back, she was offered the full-time job. So she just thanking for it because she mum gave her that opportunity, I suppose, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, it's amazing. And you're amazing. Your sister's amazing. And what you're doing is wonderful. And my biggest thing, you know, and I know I don't know you that well, um, Graham, but I feel my biggest wish for you this year is that you find pockets of joy for yourself and know that you it doesn't need to be this or that. It can be both. Yeah. Um speaking from experience and it's you know, our two stories are different, there's similarities, but there's there is differences in going through nineteen years of cancer with my mum. It's so important to have time to allow yourself to receive joy, love, happiness. And I'm not saying that you don't, but yeah, you know, maybe 2024 is a wee bit. Um, And you've started off with the gym and stuff and you've got your PT. I always tell people online as well, like respite is a huge thing to get. So I'm good at giving out advice. I'm just not good at taking my own. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Because mm, I'm aware I do well. it. I'm aware I do it. Again, maybe it goes back to that. It's safe. You know it's what you're doing right now. You you know what you're doing. Yeah, it's actually. all I know, really, what mm-hmm. I'm doing. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to do more this year and just, I just want to be happy at the end of the day. That's all I want. Everybody. And I mean, I'm happy with, it's my own personal life. I'm not happy with not my mum's side of things. That's all kind of in plan, but I just need to find... I want to do instead of getting up every morning and hating going to work and mm-hmm. find a way. What, do you, what would be like if there was no limit, right? And you could do something this year. Like, what would be a even a goal or something that not that you think you have to do, Graham? Something that actually would give you kind of oh, this feels good, this feels exciting, and bring back that kind of excitement for life and, and happiness what do you think that could be I think it would be job wise I think the the job I'm in I kind of started that when my dad had passed away and it was convenient for me mm-hmm. um, and then when mum got out it was very good to have like, flexibility to go back and forth and then Covid came it was good to work from home now that she's been in a care home I feel like this isn't what I wanted to do in my life yeah. I'd love to do something I want to do just try to find that's the huge issue. Okay. I've got bills to pay as well at the end of the day. Of course, listen, I get it, I get it. I mean, I, I actually left my job when I was 37 and I had, my kids were really young and big responsibilities and I remember panicking, thinking, oh God, like, what am I going to do? Because all I've ever done is work in finance and, and then I left and then I started up what I'm doing now and that's like six years and 
it's the best thing I ever did because it's allowed me to have that freedom and that happiness. And yeah. it's not always easy, but to find hard, like hard, yeah. hard what I was doing before, it was like way, way harder because I was in a job I wasn't happy and I've never felt, I always felt like there was something missing. I was disconnected to my own joy and stuff. That's and, what it's like for me just now. Like, uh, I, I mean, I like people I work with. My job isn't the hardest job in the world. I do know what I'm doing, but I'm just not, I don't know. It's just, There's just something feel, missing, isn't there? I want that. I hate being restricted Monday to Friday all the time as well. I know. Especially for my mum. I was even thinking about going part-time for a bit just to get those weekdays with her. Because mm-hmm. I'm always going up at night after work. So like, on a Tuesday, for example, done. I'm coming back from the office. Don't get back to my car to half five by the time I get up there. She's had her dinner and she's in her pyjamas and I've just got the night with her and by the time I get home it's like 10 o'clock. I'm exhausted. So I'd like to your cereal? Yeah, well, that's why I was doing that's it a lot That's what I mean, time, that's yeah. it. And of course then, so it is almost like we need to find, here's me giving you some coaching here. So we need to find, Graham, we need to find you something that gives you flexibility, gives you space, gives you freedom. Yep. If what would be the dream job? That's the thing as well. It's I don't really I like I love data. I know that sounds really boring to people, but I love data. Do you I like spreadsheets? Oh my! I know it sounds so boring. Do you I've, know I've I got, love people like you because I'm terrible <laughs> with stuff like that. I've got an accountancy degree. I've got a bachelor's in accountancy, but Have you? I passed that just after my dad had passed away, and I I don't know. It just completely put me off it. Uh huh. And it's been so long now that I couldn't go back into that. I don't want to go back into that. Mm-hmm. But I'd love to do anything like social media related, marketing, data. I suppose they all kind of tie in. Right. Everything I've looked at needs experience and I don't have that. I don't have the time to do free work to get experience. Yeah. That's the thing. But surely not. I mean, there's quite different people seem to be getting jobs left, right and centre and making up jobs, I think. Oh, yeah. It's been in that energy and around people that are... And opening yourself up to say, look, I'm, you know, I'm looking for opportunities. I mean, you've got a huge platform. Yeah, well, I've been, I get the odd, but the holiday was uh-huh. through social media, so I get the odd... Um, job through that but I don't I'm not like a sellout I don't want to just do everything I no. want it to um, relate to me or something I enjoy or passionate it's about it's got so to be in alignment I don't, yeah so that people are following me thinking why is he trying to sell me this that kind of thing no I'm not I'm not in it for that I was never in it for that to begin with mm-hmm. um, but I have had opportunities I'm doing a campaign next month which is related to what I do so we things like that but they're not um, a few and far between at the moment mm-hmm. I, I do like a positive news thing it's just finished I did that for two months that mm-hmm. was paid I enjoyed mm-hmm. doing it it was like a presenting positive yeah, news yeah, yeah. Um, We things like that I'd love to do more of that because mm-hmm. that gives me freedom to, to have time flexibility and it's freedom. not guaranteed at the moment and I don't know how to go about it yet I think it's putting yourself in amongst people and, and, and actually if you get clearer on right okay Honestly, it's something simple like even getting a pen and paper and writing down like what would be what you would love to do. Mm-hmm. And I think as soon as you flip that energy into, right, I'm in that energy of this, there's a bit more clarity around this. I think, obviously, I work a lot with, with energy, the universe, all of that stuff. I truly believe when we flip our energy and we start calling it in, opportunities start to present themselves. People start to, to come at us. And because they don't know, people maybe think, oh, he loves his job, he's happy. And I think people don't know until you actually say, 
this is what I'm really good at. Here are my skills and yeah. here's what I'd like to do more of. You would be surprised how many people would want to support that and help with that. I think just getting clearer on it and then suddenly you're feeling excited, do you know? And mm-hmm. you, I think I'm kind of waiting for somebody to approach me. I think um, that's what I'm doing just now. I yeah. keep hoping that something will just happen. Yeah. That's my problem. I know. You're waiting on it. I actually recorded a podcast episode for Monday's episode that's going out on Monday. And it was all about, like, you expect it to turn up. Like, you've, all right, okay, I'm just, I'm going to, like, wait on somebody just chapping my door in the hand and me this opportunity wrapped up in a bow. Doesn't happen like that. And I think when we're not clear, like, when you're not clear on it, then who the hell else is going to be clear so it's almost like get yourself into a space where you're like right what would be the dream like what would be my dream job because see where I am right now this was the dream for me I never thought it was possible at 37 38 to actually leave a corporate job create my own business and work with people from all over the world and now I've just set up this new company and we're now training coaches and intuitive psychology and that I look at that and I think sometimes we can get in our head a lot but I look at that and I think because I'm actually in my my vision board now and I didn't even know how to meditate six years ago I'd never done a vision board nobody around me was doing it everyone thought that that was weird but I needed a change I, I couldn't keep doing what I was doing because I was running on empty like literally running on empty and I just thought like fucking this something needs to change and Graham it literally started with me on YouTube doing a beginner's beginner's guide to a meditation and I read a book called The Miracle Morning by Hallie Elrod and everything in my life changed and within six months I'd quit my job replaced my corporate income working like three days a week and I don't say that because, oh, wow, that's amazing. I was literally at my, on my knees, like the worst version of myself. I couldn't, like, I was at the doctors and they were like, take antidepressants. And I didn't want them because I thought I'm just masking it. I need to identify what's really going on underneath this. And when I did, everything shifted. I think we get so stuck in our story. Yeah. We get so stuck in the familiar and we make that the reason that we're not Don't, yeah. we're not I know. experiencing things. I was off at the start of last year and I'm on antidepressants mm-hmm. again now. And they've been quite good for me for a while, but it's just come back. It's not, I don't think it's the antidepressants. I need it as a change because I'm just back in the same rut again. Because it numbs, it numbs it, and it makes you know the antidepressants can take the edge off, right? But what what my thing was, well, what, what do you do when you stop taking them? Yeah, because that's the thing as well, I don't yeah. want to be on them my whole life. No, but they had they helped for a small period. Yeah, but I'm also being referred for ADHD as well. Uh-huh. I don't know if I've got it or not. Everyone always has told me I had it, so I've never once claimed to have it or tell people online I've got it. Not self diagnosing, but the form I got was like, it made so much sense to me. Yeah. So I'm a year and a half in that list, so that if I've got that, that could explain a lot as well. Yeah. But it's just, I'm battling all these things, like between depression, not enjoying work life at the moment. And yeah. It's a lot at the moment. And it's, and it's fucking hard though. Yeah. Like, let's be honest, it's it's not easy what you're navigating. And this is why I feel like I'm not what to tell you what to do, but <laughs> I feel like if listen to me we as a family <laughs> but I feel like there's there is things there that that you can do that will create space 
yeah. for you to bring in something else. Listen, I've got a ton of stuff I'm going to, I want to like send you. I'm like, right, give them this, give them that. <laughs> and I don't want to just jump in, but I, I really see like someone here who's got so much about them and everything, like I keep saying it, I've said it like three or four times, but it can be this and that. Yeah. And there is hope. Like there yeah. is hope. And I feel like it's just within almost arm reach away just to almost, it's like teetering on the edge of coming in and saying, right, but if you can maybe get a bit clearer and what, the exercise yeah. I've help. got wee things that I want to do. Like I have my own wee, I call it a podcast, but it's one episode I've got one. But right. People like, people, what, how it started was people wouldn't like my voice for some reason. They think it's soothing, but I think it's very monotone, quite <laughs> boring. Um, and they wanted me to do bedtime stories. Nice. That's what they wanted me to do. So I kind of integrated that and it's speaking about my mum's journey mm-hmm. and a bedtime story at the end. Nice. Like, that's I don't have time to do anymore. I don't know how you managed to do all these. Listen. Um, <laughs> that was like August, I think I uploaded that. I, I do not know how I have the time. I mean, when I, we was with my mum and all that, when she was still here, I was still, this is season 10. I don't know how I do it all. But <laughs> do you know what I think really is the... I've said I don't know how I do it all. I do. See, if I didn't do meditation, if I didn't do simple little exercises that allow me a space to to heal, to move trauma, stress through my body, my physical and emotional body, oh, I wouldn't, I don't know where I would be, honestly. And I feel like that saved me. Like, it really saved me because if I didn't have that, I would, n- I would not be here doing this. I think because I chose this and that, both, it's helped you, yeah. it, it, it created this for me. It created that space. Um, actually, it's given me more space. Do you know what I yeah. mean? And I, I'm allowed to be happy. I'm allowed to have joy. I and suppose it's the scariness of what if, the kind of risk kay. of doing it as well. Because I'm com- a comfortable not comfortable, but like I know my income every month, mm-hmm. and I know I don't need to worry about that side of things. Yeah. Whereas if I decide to take that away and do something that I want to do, there's that f- risk of failure. You'll not fail. Well, do you know what? You might. I think everybody fails, right? I think we need to we need to normalise failure. But actually, what I decided was I was failing anyway because I wasn't living in yeah, truth. I, I wasn't living in purpose. Yeah. I was living a shite. Well, actually, I had a great life, right? Because nothing changed. I'm still in the same house, the same partner, same kids. But how I see my life is different. I never fully connected to everything I had around me because I just felt like I was spending 12 hours a day in a job that I didn't like and on top of everything else I just felt so disconnected from myself and actually you can't get it wrong when you follow your true path when you allow yourself joy and I think because you've been in a heaviness and there's that it's a heaviness you've been in for so long it becomes a habit it becomes a oh my God, you know, this is what I do. I get up and I do this thing and I have to do it. Yeah, and that might not change. And your mum still, you know, hopefully will still be here in a few years. And But where where do you then 
change the other parts and the other dynamics of your life and you can like if I can do it at 37 38 with two kids a big mortgage and walk away from a corporate job like it was a senior leadership job as well if I can walk away for that anyone can do it anyone could do it. like literally my hair was falling out I was that stressed I didn't sleep averaged about four four hours a night if I can do this anyone can but you need to I think sometimes um, Graham, we look at the forest and we're like, it's too overwhelming. I don't know where to start. And yeah, so we don't it's start. Overwhelming is but it's just one foot in front of the other. Like, so you're, you're doing the exercise. But I know a batter on about it's everybody, but meditation, because what it does is it allows your mind to empty. And we just start like 90 seconds of breathing put a timer on your phone and build it up build it up and actually this saying one of my mentors told me was slow down to speed up and actually it sounds counterintuitive right but if we slow down it allows us to to speed up and actually to 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 manifest more of what we want but right now it's like you're not letting it in yeah do you know what i mean because it's fear yeah that's it it's fear but what does fear need you know when we feel scared what do we need we need to feel safe. So how do we feel safe? We create safety within our body. How you know? Because of, often it's because our nervous system is dysregulated. So how do we feel safe? We breathe, but we put conscious intent behind it. We just breathe, and we just take pauses and just build that up. And over time, it's like suddenly the nervous system feels safer. Right? Okay, I feel safer. I don't feel as anxious and. You know, there's so this is a whole other episode, right? We need to keep talking. But I feel like start small, yeah. but just allow yourself. It doesn't need to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. It can be both. You're amazing. You've got so much in you that needs to be out there in the world. But I think once you get clearer on what that is and allow yourself to dream big, yep. you'll start to manifest it. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's trying to find how you get about doing all these things too. I've, I, I sit every night and Google and. Well, I think we'll talk after this because oh, okay. I'm let's 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 take him <laughs> on. You'll be right. Let's let's chat after this because do you know what? It doesn't need to be this way. You know, I think yeah. like yeah, it doesn't. And hopefully, anyone listening to this that feels like I don't know where to start, I'm stuck. This is my story and nothing's going to change. Just know that it can, but we need to start small yeah. and not let this sort of forest overwhelm you. It take almost it feels out. like I'm quite trapped sometimes. That's yeah. how I feel. I'm like kind of stuck. I can't get anywhere. Yeah. This is my life just now. No, and it's not. It's not. I promise. It's not. And we're supposed to be speaking today. <laughs> right I think I honestly think the universe brings us people into our lives so that we can f- follow a path that we're supposed to be following people come into our lives and for, for reasons and you know maybe we're speaking for a reason today about this right because either it will help you or it'll help one of the listeners to know that they're not they're not stuck and it doesn't need to be this or that it can be both and you're allowed to find joy and we just need to help you to create that space in your mind and body a bit of breathing space to allow because right now it's full you're so full right 
it's like I've got no space for anything so what we need to do is we need to make some space yeah and we need to actually clear some stuff out of the physical and emotional body so that there's space and room for new inspiring things to come in and for you feel safe enough to receive them and move forward but yeah yeah let's talk after this (laughs) yeah oh my goodness Graham, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story so openly and vulnerably with us. You're an amazing son. Like, your mum will be so, so proud of you. Like, yeah, you're wonderful and and, and all of the awareness that you're raising for Alzheimer's and, and everything that you do. But yeah, my wish and my hope is that you allow yourself that space to bring in joy and receive more in 2024 thank you very much that was that rhyme there didn't it more than 2024 thank you for being here thank you for having me thank you